0: Pray for that boy. <laughs> Giving honor to God, we're just uh, glad to be here. And uh, you don't understand when you preach; it's uh, it's always you always looking for confirmation, and then the uh, the song that they sung. goes along with the message and she was saying about you don't know my testimony god don't accidentally do things like that he always orchestrates the service so that everything is lined up shall we pray let me father we come this morning just to say thank you thank you for another opportunity to uplift encourage your people Thank you for another opportunity to tell somebody that don't know about you, that you are a loving savior, waiting to save each and every one of us. Right now, Father, we just ask that you would continue to be in our midst. We ask that you would let everything that's done be done so that your name is lifted up and you are glorified. Father, we ask that uh, you would just remove self and allow your Holy Spirit that uh, I have been communing with all week, getting ready for this. Let it show itself now. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Our scriptural text for this morning will be coming from the Gospel of John, the fourth chapter, verses 13 through 19, verses 28 and 29, and verse 42. a familiar passage of scripture, but I think a lot of times we overlook stuff and we don't really see some of the meanings that God has for us in, in these scriptures. Beginning at verse 13 from the New International Version, you'll find these words. Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again but whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, go, Call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands. And the man you have now is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Verse 28 and 29. Then, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Verse 42. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. Amen. And a, for a theme this morning, we would just like to... Implore everybody to come see the man. Come see the man. Uh, This is a very familiar passage of scripture and God knows how uh, we like drama. We like mess. So for him to throw this in here really really A lot of people, the only thing they remember about that passage of Scripture is that the woman had five husbands. (laughs) And the one that she had wasn't hers. Ask them anything else about the Scripture. They don't even remember the part about the living water. All they know is Jesus was talking to a woman that had five husbands. And the one she had didn't belong to her. But see, God knew about us. He knew that in 2015, he knew how to get our attention because he knew that we are into things that involve mess. Scandal mess. Love and hip-hop mess. Have and have-not mess. If loving you is wrong, mess. Players get played, mess. Cheaters. He know these are the type of things that get our attention. So he threw some mess in here, first of all, to get our attention. But then once he had our attention, he had a message in the mess. See, a lot of people don't understand about the five husbands. Jesus was not being critical. See, that's the first thing people want to think. Jesus was not being critical about the lady having five husbands or the fact that she was with a man that wasn't. Jesus wanted her to recognize that she had sin in her life. See, back in those days, if you uh, would pick up a commentary, somebody would tell you, back in the day, they were allowed... They were allowed to have a couple of divorces. But see, now by account we know she had five. So, we know that she kind of went over a limit. But still, the point was he wanted to point out to her her need for having him in her life. And the other part that we have to look at when we're looking at the New Testament, most of the time when Jesus done uh, great things in the Bible it was always people who were not supposed to even be associated with Jesus. See, the Jews had already made up their mind that Jesus was not their king. That's who they, they were not looking for nobody. So, God lets everybody know that he don't need none of us to do what he has to do. So, now he went and started up a conversation with this woman who was a Samaritan, another individual that the Jews didn't even fool with, but he was not so concerned about whether she was a Jew or a Gentile. He just wanted her to know about him. And then we see that she did not take what he told her lightly. She ran off. And she went to tell everybody to come see a man that could tell her everything she ever did. And on contrary to what you think today, Jesus does know everything each and every one of us in here has ever did, but he has not held that against us. He still decided to allow us to be a part of his family. And we need to know as Christians, like this woman, we have a responsibility to go tell somebody, come see the man that knows all about me. Don't worry about nobody sitting next to you. You need to tell somebody to come see the man that has picked you up and turned you around gave you a brand new start was even with you when you weren't with him because in 42 we find out something happened. happen if we go tell somebody they might come meeting for themselves see that's what even the Samaritan you find that even her even though she didn't believe it first she went to tell them and then they were not interested in her secondhand story. They wanted to find out for themselves. And so as Christians, we got a responsibility to witness and hopefully people will take what you're saying and try to find out for themselves. Now, I just got a, uh, a few points that we're going to make about this uh, scriptures here. The first point is the Bible tells us of our responsibility as Christians. Like I said, in this story, like I said, these were non-Christians that were willing to go and witness. As Christians, we got a responsibility to tell somebody. We don't have no responsibility on what they do with what we tell them. But if you're not telling nobody nothing, they can't find out nothing that they need to know. So when we look in the Bible, it uh, gives us a couple illustrations of our responsibility as Christians. First, you'll find in Matthew 9, 37 and 38. Then saith he unto his disciples... The harvest truly is plentiful, but the labors are few. Pray ye therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth labors into his harvest. See, God already knew he was going to be few in number. But the only way to increase them numbers so that they're effective and get something done is that we pray to the Lord of the harvest that he might send more people to work for him. And our church is no different than any other church. You might have a thousand people on the membership row, but the workers are usually 20%. Don't complain about the 20%. Just pray to the Lord of the harvest that he might send some more. In Matthew 28, 19, we find some other responsibilities that that we have as Christians. It says, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even until the end. Of the world. It's our responsibility of, as a Christian. In those verse this says. You are commanded. To go tell somebody. About Jesus. You command it. It don't mean arbitrarily tell somebody. You command it to go tell somebody. About Jesus. In John the 21st chapter. Verses 15 through 18. The reference is made. Three different times. Of feeding his sheep. After Peter had let him down, he told him three different times to feed his sheep. That's what we have a responsibility to do as Christians, as parents. Uh, feeding his sheep is you know, making sure your children know about Jesus. Making sure your family members and your friends know that you know Jesus. Making sure that your coworkers know that you are something a little different than them because you belong to Jesus another responsibility we'll find in Romans 1 and 16 and if you are a Christian this ought to be your rally cry for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth To the Jew first and also to the Greek. Now, see, if you're not ashamed, you ought to not be ashamed to tell somebody to come see the man. Now, you ain't trying to introduce them to any man. You're trying to introduce them to the man. See, they were making a reference to a man, but we want them to come see the man that has made a difference in your life and changed things. Finally, in Ephesians 4 and 1, just so we won't get it twisted, it is our responsibility, and it just says simply, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. Now, we're going to stop right there. Preaching, teaching, singing, ushering on the deacon board, on the usher board, on the nurse's board, on the missionary. That is your ministry. Your vocation is you a Christian. So we have to walk worthy of that vocation. I don't care how many degrees we get, how many songs the choir sang, and we love to hear them sing, but our vocation is Christian. Everything else we do in the church is ministry. Our vocation is Christian. That means it's our job to be a Christian. At all times. At your family gatherings, on your job, when somebody done made you mad, when things not going right, it is your job to remain a Christian. You can still come and be on the Usher board and deep, but your first job is to be a Christian, and a Christian ought to want to tell people about Christ. A Christian ought to shout it from the rooftops, come see the man. Come see him. See, you can't say that uh, you're a Christian and don't never want to tell nobody about Jesus. You can do some wonderful preaching. You can do some wonderful singing. You can, you know, you can deep to the end of time. You can be fluid with your ushering. You can be a superb nurse. You can be a superb trustee. But unless you're telling somebody about Jesus, you are shirking your responsibility, which is your vocation, And your job, so we won't want nobody to get confused, your job is being a Christian. Now secondly, you gotta be able to have something. You can't say come see the man if the man haven't never done nothing for you. See, when she sung that song, you know, you don't know my testimony, Every single person in here has their own testimony. I can't stand up here and say, I know he's a healer, because thank God I haven't been that sick yet. But we have some people in here that have been sick, sick to the point where the so-called educated doctor told them, go home and get your affairs in order because this is about to be over. But then something shocking happened when you showed up at the doctor the next time. (laughs) The doctor even had to look at you in amazement and ask you, what happened? But for somebody that has been sick, they can tell you, come see the man that healed me when I was sick. So, it's just a few passages of scriptures that let us know what we can tell somebody that the man has done for us personally. Now, every scripture might not apply to you, but something ought to apply where you're able to go tell somebody come see the man. You might have to tell him, come see the man when I didn't have a job. uh, I showed up unqualified and I got hired. Come see the man when my children were about to drive me completely (laughs) insane. But God stepped in and not only did he get them in line, he kept me from killing them and he kept me from losing my mind. You have to be able to tell him, come see the man, that when you did not have a dime in your pocket, everything you owed was due. <laughs> right in the nick of time, he showed up as the on-time guy. So we all got something that we can tell him about. In Romans 5 and 8, if you don't have nothing else to tell anybody, you can tell somebody this. You might not want to admit it, but this applies to everybody. But God commended his love toward us. In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Now, us is plural. Now you might act like you don't do nothing. Or you might you might act like you know you don't need God for nothing. But that verse right along, right there, should cover everybody. And if you don't have nothing else to tell somebody to come see the man, you can tell them come see the man that loved me while I was a sinner. See, when you say while I was a sinner, that eliminates you trying to point fingers at everybody else. He loved you while you were a sinner. You can tell me from the end of time that you don't do nothing wrong. I'm not going to call you a lie because it's not worth arguing about. But God said that while we were yet sinners, he died for us. It didn't say he died for this part of the church, that part, that part over there, the part in the back. He, it said he died for us. So, if you don't have nothing else to tell nobody, tell them, come see the man that died for you when you was a sinner. Psalms 32 and 1. If you need something else to tell somebody, come see the man. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Again, if I'm not mistaken, this follow, This covers all of us. You can shout it from the rooftop that you haven't done nothing, but I'd rather admit to somebody that my transgressions were forgiven and my sin was covered than to walk around and act like I didn't need God to do nothing for me. See, now, if you think you done made it all on your own, don't none of this apply to you. But if you know that the only reason you made it was because of God, you can tell somebody that. Come see a man that has covered my sins. That's enough for all of us to shout right there. See, we might be as secretive as we want to be, but we all fall under that lady at the well because he knows everything That we ever did. Did is past tense. He knows everything that we doing. And he knows everything that we gonna do. But come see a man that has covered me for that. Psalms 34 and 4. If you don't have nothing to tell somebody to come see See the man for. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all of my fears. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Think of the worst thing that you ever went through in your life that you thought you could not survive. You thought you wasn't going to make it, you thought it was going to be the death of you. You thought it was going to be your demise, but you called on the Lord. Even though you weren't for sure if he was going to come, but he heard you and he delivered you from all your fears. Somebody's walking around today. Somebody, the rest of the congregation don't even know how you're functioning, but you know that it was because he delivered you from all of your fears. So you can tell somebody, come see the man that made me brave. In 19, that same division of Psalms, it says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. Again, I don't know if you've been in any place or anything that happened to you. But it's a good thing to be able to tell somebody that the Lord delivered you. And the good thing about it, most of the afflictions that we wind up in are self-inflicted. We run directly in the direction that God tells us not to go. We go directly where he tells us not to go. We be with who he specifically warns us to leave alone. (laughs) And I delivered you from them on multiple occasions. (laughs) But for some reason or another, (laughs) when you look around, you write back, in the same place that you told God if you get me out this time I swear I won't go back he knew he was going to go back that's when he said many are the afflictions he didn't say we got one affliction. He said many are the afflictions of the righteous. But the Lord delivered from them all. Come see the man that delivered me. That's what you need to tell somebody. But make sure you throw in there that he delivered me not once, but he delivered me over and over and over and over again. Then in Psalms 37, verses 23 through 25, if you don't have anything to tell anybody to come see the man about, just read these verses in your spare time. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly classed down, For the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. You can go tell somebody that even though he done ordered your steps, we done went the opposite steps. We done fell down. But the God done lifted you up with his own hands. I know somebody got something to tell about being. Then in that 25th verse, when you are younger and you hear this and you just skip over it, when you grow up in the church and I look at some of the older members when I was a kid, I thought they were so old. Now since I'm 59, (laughs) old, old don't seem as old as it was. But when you was coming up and you see the members shouting and see the members crying, as a child, you know, we would laugh about it. It was so funny. Like, they don't have to do all of that. (laughs) Being a junior usher, it's a wonder my back ain't messed up, trying to get Miss Carter when she headed over that bench when I was a little guy. they like, go home, Miss Carter. Looking at them like, please. <laughs> but, I mean, this is, you know, you see those things, and you don't pay no attention to it. But now, since you have went through life, yes. life has knocked you down time after time after time. Circumstances have went bad. They went from bad to worse in no time. Seemed like nothing you could do would turn out right. Everything went wrong. Everybody you thought was your friends left you, but this is one thing that you can testify. It doesn't make no difference how old or young you were, If you was a child and now you're a little older, even from childhood to teenage, with all these things that's going on, you can utter these words and say, come see the man that I have been young and now I'm old. Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. That just lets me know that you have been through some trials and you ought to be able to run and tell somebody, come see the man that has taken care of me from when I was a teenager up until this present age, but I've never seen him forsake me. See, that's what she was saying about. That's testimony. Yes. See, We got to be able to let somebody know that we haven't always had everything we need. (laughs) There's nothing wrong with telling somebody that you had to ask the Lord to come see about you right in the nick of time, else you wasn't going to make it. But see, we make people think that because we Christians, nothing's going to happen to us. And so it's hard to convince other people to come find out about God if we don't want to tell them nothing that God has done for us 2 Timothy 1 and 7 if you need something to be able to tell them come see the man for God has not given us the spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind We can skip over fear. We can skip over power. We can skip over love. But if you have a sound mind, you ought to be shouting it from the rooftops to tell somebody, come see the man that gave me a sound mind when everything that I thought could go wrong went wrong see a lot of people don't understand Christians and uh, sometimes even as a Christian you see things you don't understand it because when you in it you can't see it but you don't know other people looking at you trying to see how God brings you out then after he brings you out you need to tell somebody about it Um, I was sharing with uh, one of the uh, one one of the young ladies that, you know, uh, you know, God has chosen you know, a lot of young women in our church have been stricken with cancer. But the ones that he picked, they're so full of life. They're so vibrant. They never was, they was always happy. They're always smiling. And it took me to see them because when my mother had cancer, I couldn't see it because she was my mother. Even though she was being a witness about being sick, I couldn't see that she was being strong in the Lord because she was my mother. And I wanted her to get all right. But when you see these young women that have been battling cancer or any of our members in our church that have been battling disease, to see that they are still have a made-up mind that they're going to serve the Lord anyhow. That's where he takes fears away. Some of the stuff, that some of our individuals in our church have went through God only can pick certain people to do it to because the rest of us would cower in fear but these individuals going through devastating illness they know that God did not give them the spirit of fear and then like I say when somebody's sick it's you know when you ain't nothing wrong with you it's easy for you to say that you don't care what's gonna happen. But to hear sick individuals say all the time, I'm all right with whatever happens, that's an example of God removing fear because they don't fear death anymore because they already know that even should their illness overtake them, when God comes back, they are not gonna have no illness. 1 Peter 4, 12 and 13. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trials, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's suffering, that his glory shall be revealed ye may be able, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. When stuff happens to us, you know, we want to fall apart. But God has to send us through some things. Most of the time, just to see where we're at. But when things happen to you and people can look at you and see you still got a smile, you can tell somebody, Come see the man that in the midst of my fiery trial, he done kept me anyway. I don't like what I'm going through. I don't know how the situation's going to turn out. But I made up my mind that I'm going to trust him no matter what comes my way come see the man that I can trust, even in my trials. Somebody can tell somebody that. Everybody can't tell that, but if that's what your testimony is, you have a responsibility to tell somebody that. James 1, 2 and 3. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers' temptation, knowing this, that the trying of your faith Worketh patience. Thank you. Now, I don't want nobody to get confused and saying, you know, one, Reverend Brown said, go out there and be happy if you get tempted. That did, that's not what the scripture said. <laughs> you got to put two and three together. Because if you just use two, you will think you got a free pass to go out there and just get, do all the temptation you want. But the temptation is supposed to try your faith so God can see, can I trust him? Mm-hmm. We are going to be put in situations at all times as long as we on this earth and we're going to get opportunities to see if we're going to be faithful or if we're going to fall and give them the ammunition to say, I thought you was a Christian. You know, that's the favorite line of people. They don't see nothing you do right. But as soon as you do something wrong, they'll look you straight in your face and be just as sincere. And I thought you was a Christian. (laughs) I really looked up to you. I'm so disappointed in you. No one all along, they didn't care about you one way or the other. But they just been waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. Like, please let them fall. You know, your co-workers, you know, they waiting. They waiting for you to cuss them out. You could go in there a hundred days straight. And when they speak to you, you, hallelujah, praise the Lord. But as soon as you tell them where to go, what to kiss, they're going to be so flabbergasted like you done destroyed them. I can't believe Your sanctified self (laughs) said that to me. You could be on a three-year run of hallelujahs. Praise the Lord. I'm praying for you. I love you. But the first time, the very first time that you fall, And this is what they're going to hit you with. I was going to come to church till you did that. (laughs) I had just said this week that I was going to come to your church with you. I ain't coming down there with you. And that's what people look for an excuse. But you have to be able to tell them, come see the man. When as pastor say you want to snatch somebody's wig off and knock their dentures out, <laughs> you just walk away. Come see the man that uh, even though uh, it's right on the tip of my tongue to say all these things that I want to say to him, have you ever been so, so mad that you was ready to say something to somebody and nothing wouldn't come out, God just locked your mouth up? <laughs> They looking at you because they think you crazy because you're going to convulsions because they done said something to you, you about to And God is talking in your spirit like, "Don't don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. The only spirit saying, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. But the devil telling you like, I know you ain't gonna let them do you like that. I know you ain't gonna keep letting them walk over you like that. I know you ain't a sucker. I know you're gonna say something, but God just wraps. sometimes. He just got to wrap you all together because you know Some of us, you know, some of us a little crazy. Some of us might even fight still think we can fight God had to wrap his arms around because you know some of you might swing Find out you can't fight like you used to and you might get you might get <laughs> tore up So He had to protect us sometimes. You know you might did a lot of you might have did a lot of fighting 20 years ago. But you go to fighting somebody now with your non-win, having bad knee, having aching shoulder, bad knees, can't see. <laughs> One thing about a fight, you can't start a fighting and then say, "Oh, excuse me, excuse me, never mind, never mind." Once you're in it, you're in it. So you better think hard and be glad that God wraps His arms around us sometime, and He just says to yourself, whispering here, "Fool, just be still. Just be still and know that I'm God." That's all you can do sometimes. Just be still. Just be still and know it. No. <laughs> Philippians four. Paul was writing all of these things to exhort us and to encourage us. And then you have to remember, most of the time when Paul was writing, he wasn't just standing there. He wasn't in his room getting ready for no sermon. He was in jail. But he still loved God enough that he could say, come see the man that even though I'm in jail, I still love him. Even though I'm in jail, I still trust him. Even though I know that the end is not going to turn out the way that I hope for, I still love him. Philippians 4, beginning with the 6th verse, you can tell somebody, come see it, man. It says, be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known unto God and the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. It doesn't say just run and pray to God but it says when we pray and ask for thanks we ought to be thankful for what he's already done done. Now, when I used to to hear that song, you know, uh, if he don't do anything else, he already done enough. In our greedy nature, that doesn't sound right because we want him to do more and more and keep on doing and 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 do some more and do some more and do some more and do some more and do some more. But when you can go to him in prayer, already thanking him for what he's undone, then you are able to go to him in sincerity and let your requests be made known unto God. Come see the man that I can go to with my request, But I'm going to go there with a thanksgiving spirit. But because you are being thankful, that seventh verse he gives you, The peace of God, which passes all understanding. Some people's lives are so tore up right now. But because God has gave them a peace that we can't understand, they walk around and you would not know that they had a care in the world. See, that's something. It's easy when everything is going all right to have some peace. But when you got trouble in your home, you got trouble with your kids, you got trouble on your job, your car done broke down, your dog done got sick. Your bank done sent you that overdraft notice? <laughs> it's something about God that reassures you, even in the worst of times. He can give you some peace. And sometimes that's all we need. Sometimes it's just a little peace. Just a little Peace. If you talk to somebody that has trouble sleeping people that jump in the bed and fall straight to sleep they can't relate to that. But if you're an individual that toss and turn all night, then you get up, you're tireder, more tired than you was when you went to bed. Don't make no difference how long you done been asleep. But because you're not having a peaceful sleep you wake up restless. But when God done gave you peace you can go to sleep at night and don't have a care in the world. You can get up in the morning and there can be 10 messages on your phone. But you already made up your mind that I'm going to have a peaceful day. I don't care what they got to say on the messages. That is something you can run and tell somebody. Then in verse 11 of that same chapter, we find these words. If you want to find something to tell somebody to come see the man. Not that I speak in respect of one. For I have learned in whatsoever state I am there with to be content. You know, that's a, that's a blessing from God to be content. Yes. So, you can tell somebody that I might not have the job I have. I might not be doing everything. Everything I want is not going the way I want it. But God has gave me this contentment that whatever state that I'm in, I'm going to be content. You need to go tell somebody, come see the man that gave me contentment. You know, that is something, you know, it's just something... Special to be content no matter what has went on. And the only way you can do that is if Jesus is with you. Now, we're not content because we look at these commercials and we're supposed to drive certain cars and uh, we're supposed to eat certain foods. We're supposed to live certain places. But, you know, you can drive yourself completely crazy trying to keep up. Uh, image that you know you can't afford. Had to get some quick weave because you don't worry all your hair out. It done fell out. <laughs> you don't worry yourself to death. Worrying about you ain't got what everybody else got. Now all your hair done fell out. Now on top of not being content. With your situation, now you ain't content with the way you look. (laughs) And it just adds more things on top of things. And the simple remedy that he told us is just learn to be content in whatever state that you're in. Now, we don't want to go, we ain't going to go there, we ain't going to go there, we ain't ain't, going to go there. We're going to leave that alone. 13 says, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. You need to tell somebody, come see the man, that even though I am weak in myself, I got a warrior with me. I got somebody that got my back. I got somebody that when everybody else leaves me, he's just a prayer away. I got somebody when everybody I call is looking at the caller ID. Oh see, it's me, and they know I'm complaining again. <laughs> and they're just passing over the phone. But when you know you can do all things through Christ, you need to be able to tell somebody that. And finally, if you want to be able to tell somebody, come see the man in 19... If you can tell people this, then you are all right. But my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory. I don't know if you watch the news. You see over in Greece, them people's running to the bank trying to get their money. The bank wouldn't give them their money. <laughs> then the money they would let them get, they had a limit. Then when they did open it back up, probably some people got trampled trying to get to the bank. But when you are dependent on God to supply all your needs according to his riches in glory. So that means everything you need, he got it. Everything you need, he got it. Because it says he will supply all of your needs. It didn't say some of them, he said he will supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory. His riches do not depend on the global market. His riches do not depend on what the Iraq, the Iranians, the Kuwaitis do with oil. His riches do not depend on whether you are in the upper class or the lower class or the middle class. His riches have nothing to do with that because his riches are everlasting. It's almost like the story of the widow put the Water in the jar and it turned and it kept filling up. Every time they went, it was some more in there. That's the way God's riches is. He'll give a little bit to me, but He still got some riches left for you. He'll give a little bit of His riches. And then what we have to not get caught up on is what really riches are. See, the riches that we're thinking about is all monetary riches. But ain't somebody glad today that you can tell somebody, come see the man that gives me joy. Come see the man that gives me peace. Come see the man that has healed my body. Come see the man that has done great things for me. Come see the man that has forgiven me of all of the wrong that I ever did. Come see the man that can do everything that we need. And when he does that, you'll be able to look back on your life. And you'll be able to say like Job. So the Lord blessed the latter end of Job more than his beginning. Somebody's waiting on that now. Right now, you might have had a rough start. But if you tell somebody about the man that we know, he can make your ladder end better than the beginning life that you had. It might have been hard. Somebody might have done something to you that you thought you couldn't get over. But if you turn it over to Jesus, everything is going to be all right. In Genesis 50, we hear the conversation between Joseph and his brothers. He had to tell them, you meant it for me unto evil, but God got in it, and he turned it into good. So you have to be able to go tell somebody, come see that man that did all of that for me. Isaiah 61, you need to tell somebody, come see the man that has traded the ashes of my life for beauty, the morning oil for the garment of praise. See, you can't say that if you don't know him for yourself. So even if you out there and you not a Christian, we telling you this morning, come see the man that has taken care of you regardless of the fact that you don't even recognize who he is. You need to come see the man. Come see the man that will pick you up, dust you off, send you on your way, give you a brand new start. He'll allow you to pick up the broken pieces of your life, whether it's financially, whether it's in your job. No matter what you're going through, come see the man. See, this lady, she's seen the man. Then she went to tell somebody else about it, Then because they heard it, they wanted everybody else to come see the man. So I just want you to go tell somebody what the man has done for you. Don't be ashamed to tell him that when you were down, you were so dirty. You did so much that you never would have thought that you could have made it. But now you look back and you see that it was nobody but Jesus. We ain't all, none of us has always been up. We done been down a whole bunch of times, but every time we been down, you need to tell somebody, come see the man, that when I was at my lowest point, he stepped in right in the nick of time. Come see the man. When I had children that was out there in the world, every time I turn the news on, I worry if it's mine, one of mine that done got shot or doing some shooting. Come see the man that when I call them, they on the phone, answering the phone, saying that everything is all right. Come see the man that when you thought that the worst thing that could possibly happen to you had happened, you thought it was going to be your demise, but now you walk around and you just say that was so trivial. Why did I even let it bother me? Come see the man that will do everything that he has promised in his word come see the man if you don't know him then you can't tell nobody about him but if you know him you ought to shout from the rooftop come see the man come see the man that when you lost your mother you didn't know how you was gonna make it But every day he did what he said he was going to do in his word. He was right there to dry every tear from your eye. Come see the man when you lost a loved one. You don't understand it. You thought it was way too short. But day by day, God is making you stronger each and every day. Come see the man that allowed us to go and tell others about him even though he knows everything that we ever did. I don't know about you, but I have to be thankful for him. I'm not going to stand up in line and say, i done everything I was supposed to do. Come see the man that you can tell about when you was 18, driving, didn't know you were supposed to go to sleep at night when you had a job, went up I-75 every day, headed to Dayton, falling asleep in the slow lane, woke up in the grass, not once but four or five times a week, Come see the man that saved me. He eased the car over so that I didn't hit nobody. Come see the man that when you intended to do some wrong, he stepped in and made a way for you. It was an individual that kept bothering me. I walked around one day for two hours with a pistol. I said, if he speak to me today, I'm going to kill him. Do you know God zipped his mouth up? Come see a man that will allow you to go to a job, go there at 18, walk out the door at 48. Don't never have to go to work no more in my life. I don't know how he did it, but I'm glad he did. Come see the man that when we done experienced hurt in our lives, we didn't know if we could make it. You thought that person or this person, you thought that you couldn't go on without them. But come see the man that told you, if you got me, you got more than enough. They can't do nothing for you anyway. Come see a man that has done everything that he has promised to do in each of our lives. Come see a man when you was down to your last dime, he stepped in right in the nick of time. See, if you don't have nothing to say, then that means God ain't never done nothing for you. But I know God has done something for each and every one of you in here because you're here today. Come see the man. Come see the man. Come see him for yourself. If you're out there and you don't know him, ain't never met him, think you done made it on your own, come see the man that has allowed you to be here today. He could have took you at any time, but he decided that he was going to lead you here to get another chance to meet him. Come see the man. Come see the man. Come see the man. Somebody y'all don't know what I'm talking about. Come see the man. Come see the man. We got some witnesses. Come see the man. Come see the man who healed this lady. Come see the man that allowed these single mothers that was in the church, didn't have no help at all. But each one of their children turned out all right. Come see the man. Come see the man that stepped in. He fixed everything that they needed fixed right in the nigga time. We need to quit being shamed. We need to quit acting like we done always had it. Tell somebody, I used to drink, but I don't drink no more. I used to be on drugs, but I don't use drugs no more. I used to run around and go everywhere but to church. But now God done changed me. I got a brand new walk. I got a brand new talk. I'm so glad that one day he changed me. Come see the man I know.